Please rise in body or spirit and join me in the call to worship. In the midst of the barren land, flowers burst into bloom. In the midst of the dry desert, streams of water gush forth. It is Advent. Hope perfumes the air. Peace is taking root. We are ready. Our hearts long to see the glory of God. We light our second Advent candle this morning as a sign of the coming light of Christ. We light this candle of peace, for we live as a people of peace, preparing ourselves for the days when... The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. We light these candles of hope and peace. We just lit the candle of peace. 
And for me, part of finding internal peace is wrapped up in this confession moment. For the prayer of confession gives me a chance to come before God with the honest truth of my messy human life and to receive mercy. And on the receiving end, there is no guilt or shame. There is simply peace. So friends, join me in seeking peace by lifting your voices together in unison as we pray the prayer of confession. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been, help us amend what we are, and direct what we shall be, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. is a God of peace. Our God is not a God of grudges or scorekeeping. Our God is a God of grace and mercy and love. So hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are loved. We are claimed. We are forgiven. We are sent to serve. Thanks be to God for a love like that. internal peace with God in the words of forgiveness found at this font, and we find external peace with our neighbor in the passing of that peace. So friends, I invite you to greet your neighbors with a hug, a handshake, or a high five as we spread God's peace through these pews and through this room. The peace of Christ be with you.
and also Hello on online family. My name is Sam Duffy and I would like to wish the peace of Christ with you. Hello, I'm Samantha Hogshire and may the peace of Christ be with you and we're glad you're here. Hi, I'm Chris. Good morning. I want to wish you the peace of Christ during this Advent season. Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm in. Merry Christmas to you. May God be with you always. I got so distracted with the peace that I forgot it's time to send the kids. <clears throat> so if you're a young Presbyterian, I invite you to come on forward to join Miss Jamie to head down for Children's Church. And as they leave, we will send them with a blessing because we love you too much to not send you with a blessing. Those words are printed in the bulletin. Kiddos, are you ready? We're ready, okay, join me. May God be with you there. Amen. Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ and welcome to worship on the second Sunday of Advent here at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in the heart of New York City. Whether you are worshiping with us in person or joining us online, you bless us with your presence. If you are new to Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, there are a couple things you should know. First, when we say all are welcome, we mean it. We don't all look alike, we don't all think alike, still we share a common purpose. We are committed to following Jesus Christ. We seek to make Christ's love and hospitality tangible in our lives and share it with the world. Second, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church extends far beyond the walls of this room. And we have a big place in our hearts for our live streaming friends and extended family of the congregation. To celebrate this, I want to give a shout out to worshipers in Miami, Florida, Troy, New York, and Manchester, New Hampshire. Online friends, if you're watching on YouTube, please take a moment to type in the chat where you're coming from today. Natalie Owens Pike is in the control room, so be sure to say hi. We see you and we share the peace of Christ with you. And we extend a special welcome to all of you who are with us for the first time, either in the sanctuary or online. Would those of you who are visitors in the sanctuary please stand and allow us to welcome you? <laughs> welcome, new friends. To help us connect with you, please find the red welcome card in your pew, fill it out, and leave it in the offering plate later in the service. For our newcomers on live stream, please fill out the connect card at fapc.org connect or use the QR code on your screen. Also, visitors, if you are interested in a tour to learn about the history and architecture of our church, meet docents Amy Owada and Janice Haas at the rear of the sanctuary. They will be waving a tour starts here sign. Following worship today, and next Sunday, in lieu of coffee hour, we will be caroling on the steps. And you are invited to join in singing and bringing Christmas cheer. 
We will have a station of hot drinks in the narthex, so enjoy a cup of cocoa, coffee, or cider before shining your vocal lights on the steps of Fifth Avenue. Passersby will stop by and join the chorus, and we saw last week they did take long videos, so it'll be good. So let's make a joyful noise together, because it will be better with you there. Director of Engagement Ashley Gonzalez Grissom will be wearing her red staff lanyard and a red sweater. So she'll be looking out, on the, uh, looking out for any new faces. If you spot her first, just know she's eager to say hello. Online campus, you can join the Reverend Natalie Owens Pike and other Fifth Avenue staff at the Hybrid Coffee Hour at 1215 by clicking in the link in the video description below. If you are looking for more fellowship events, service opportunities, and stimulating off, uh, educational offerings, please check out the announcements in your bulletin, page 10 and 11. Here are some highlights. Next Sunday, we will have two special worship services. The first is in Chapel Church. It will be the last Chapel Church worship service in the Kirkland Chapel before it moves to the Jones Auditorium in January due to the chapel renovation. The second is at 11 a.m. We will have a children's Christmas pageant here in the sanctuary. So this would be a great opportunity for worshipers in either service to attend both as they will be quite different from each other. It'll be again amazing to have you both there for both. Also, as the world rushes toward the Christmas holiday with all the jubilation and joy, our blue Christmas service provides a space in Advent for a time of quiet contemplation and preparation. This service can also be healing for those who find the holiday difficult. Many worshipers have described Blue Christmas as one of the most beautiful and restorative services of the year. You are invited and welcome to join us this Wednesday at 6.30 in the Kirkland Chapel. I invite you now to quiet your minds and open your hearts as we continue to worship God, the bringer of hope and peace.
Thank you, choir. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that as your scripture is read and your word is proclaimed, we might hear with joy what it is that you are saying to us this day. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This year, during the season of Advent, Fifth Avenue Church is touring the homes of four different prophets, women and men whose stories light our way as we prepare for the coming of Christ. Last Sunday, we began our journey. We stopped by Malachi's laundromat and we listened as that passionate curmudgeon scolded us for complacency. He wagged a gnarly finger under our noses. You who walk the path of Advent need to pray for generous spirits and clean hearts. And then he directed our attention to a bucket of suds. Your souls need God's soap. You've got to wash if you want to hold the baby. Today, we head to the edge of town to meet Malachi's cousin, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lives in a small cottage with a tangled yard, hardy ivy and scraggly geraniums spill out of the home's window boxes. A clump of brown pampas grass rustles next to a circle of freshly tilled earth. Has someone been planting bulbs? Around the side of the bungalow, past a stand of beehives, we can spot the edge of a greenhouse. And if we listen carefully, we can hear the clank of a shovel and a tenor voice. Someone back there is digging in the dirt, digging and singing. It's Isaiah. As we pick our way through the greenery looking for this week's prophet, there are a couple of things that the tradi Christian tradition would like us to know, to remember. First, Isaiah really does like plants. He talks about plants all the time. He sees plants in his dreams. Isaiah pictures trees clapping their hands when God sends rain. When, when God shows up, Isaiah writes, flowers will bloom in the desert. The cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive, the cypress, the fir, and the pine will grow, he writes. Isaiah, you, you may recall, is the prophet who describes a, a leafy shoot corkscrewing cork up from the stump of Jesse, a small tendril of life that will become a new family tree. Uh, Isaiah's relationship with plants is even reflected in legend. There's a, a story from the first century that goes like this. When the evil king Manasseh 
pursued Isaiah, seeking to kill God's annoying truth teller, the prophet walks up to a cedar tree and speaks God's name. And at that moment, a door opens in the tree. Isaiah steps inside and disappears. The OG tree hugger. Isaiah sports the Bible's most well-documented green thumb. He's the gardener prophet. The second thing that scholars observe when studying Isaiah is that this prophet likes to sing. At numerous junctures in the good book, Isaiah breaks into song. His songs often describe a righteous person who is coming to redeem the world a servant of God. Hundreds of years later, the gospel writers would make liberal use of Isaiah's servant songs to describe Jesus. And hundreds of years further down the road, George Friedrich Handel would weave the servant songs into his oratorio, Messiah. All this makes it difficult for Christians to imagine Advent and Christmas without Isaiah's music. Today's passage is the first of the prophet's famous servant songs. This is the tune we hear as we wind our way through blackberry canes and dried pumpkin vines toward the prophet's greenhouse. Let's listen to him sing. Today's passage echoes to us from Isaiah 42, beginning with the first verse. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice, or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The notes of the servant song pull us around the side of the cottage past beehives and a wheelbarrow full of mulch where we find a young man on his knees digging. Next to the hole that he's created in the ground, we see a pile of reddish dirt, a few small rocks, and a holly bush with impossibly red berries. No longer singing, the man is talking to the holly bush. There we go, all set. Time to get you in the ground before winter comes. We interrupt. Excuse us, uh, we're we're looking for Isaiah. Malachi said that we might find him here. 
Brushing dark hair back with soil-stained fingers, the young gardener smiles at us. So, you've been to see my cousin. I can tell you look so, what's the word I'm looking for? Rebuked, chastened, clean. I've been there. I've got a shelf in my kitchen stacked with Fuller's soap. The dude sends me a bar every Christmas. Malachi is nothing if not intense, a certified crank. But he's not wrong. Wait, we stammer. You are Isaiah. You look, well, different, different than we expected. He chuckles. I get that a lot. Most people have a sort of cookie-cutter image in their head when it comes to prophets. You know, old guy, shaggy beard, wild eyes, bugs in your teeth. Am I right? <laughs> I've come to appreciate the fact that Michelangelo, when, when painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, took a different approach when it came to me. No beard, no bugs. Who says a prophet's got to be old? Don't you think the most prophetic voices in the world belong to the young? Youthful folk look at humanity's problems with hope. They haven't become cynical, not yet. They still think the world can be saved. They haven't embraced Darwin's brutal calculus. Only the strong will survive, fend for yourself, cut your losses. Not yet. They are gentle souls. When God's servant comes to redeem the world, I am convinced it will be somebody young, somebody gentle. He won't yell. He won't chop down plants that have broken branches or, or pinch out candles that are struggling to burn. God's servant will be kind in heart soft of touch. And at the same time, he'll be tough. He'll have a core of toughness. God's servant will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice on the earth. This is the truth that the Spirit has laid on my heart. God's servant will come, he will be gentle, and to no one's surprise, this gentle demeanor will get him in trouble. He'll be criticized and shamed for having a kind heart. He'll be mocked for seeking justice. Still, all the flack in the world will not stop him. God's servant will not be crushed. God's servant will stand resilient in the face of the world's awfulness. Does this sound like a pipe dream to you? How can anyone risk being gentle and then risk being gentle and then try again to be gentle when the world is so doggone proficient at chewing up and spitting out the gentle. It's a, it's a classic Charlie Brown question, right? Do people still watch the Charlie Brown Christmas? 
That mope of a kid picks out the skinniest, scruffiest looking tree for his school's Christmas pageant. All the other kids laugh. But in the end, gentleness persists. That little tree gets some love. And it stands. It is, dare I say it, glorious. So this is my Advent exhortation. Be gentle. Because God will save us by being gentle. And with that, the young prophet turns back to his project, easing the root ball of the young holly into the hole in the ground and singing, the holly bears a berry as red as any blood, and Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ for to do us sinners good. What do we make of the gardener prophet? How, how do we process the swirling theologies of Advent, the whiplash that comes from hearing Malachi rant one week and Isaiah sing of gentleness the next? Today's bulletin cover contains a photograph taken by a Dutch artist, Henk Waldschut. This photo was taken in a Syrian refugee camp that lies just across the border from Syria in the country of Jordan. For years, Waldschut has traveled to refugee camps in France, Tunisia, Lebanon, and Jordan. And in these camps, Waldschut made the conscious decision not to photograph the refugees, a practice that many find manipulative, exploitative. Instead, Waldschut photographed all the ways in which these displaced people had humanized their difficult circumstances all the little ways in which these stranded people had put down roots. In the face of ugliness, disruption, and death, Waldschut saw the refugees' powerful determination to embrace beauty, dignity, and hope in these miniature gardens and potted plants in nurturing simple vegetables and blossoms, the refugees were cultivating and sharing gentleness. Are you familiar with the television program, The Bear? Anybody? Now before you rush home to binge it, I gotta warn you, The Bear is not for everyone. <laughs> It has more coarse language, more nasty verbal jabs per square inch than anything I have ever seen. And all that discord takes place in a kitchen. The bear tells the story of a talented young chef, Carmi, who leaves a prestigious restaurant in New York to take over his deceased brother's hot beef sandwich shop in Chicago. Carmi 
is a wounded guy. His brother committed suicide. His family is a broken mess. His restaurant is in debt. Carmi is anxious, depressed, and sad, very sad. He's a bruised reed. And he works alongside a bunch of other bruised reeds, people who batter each other in verbally brutal exchanges all around the kitchen. Reflecting on this, New York Times columnist David French writes, it's easy to love someone who presents as vulnerable. It's harder to love those whose pain manifests with rage and snarls. French continues, I've seen this with my own eyes. I've seen how we've become a nation of bruised reeds, busy breaking each other. Those words have clung to my heart this week. We've become a nation of bruised reeds, busy breaking one another. I think French's assessment rings true. Rage flares all around us, and, and our first response, our, our gut reaction, is to push back against it, to push back hard. And this, of course, inflicts more wounds, greater wounds. Some of you know that I am a fan of American short story writer Raymond Carver. Carver wrote, I believe, one of the most quietly devastating and simply beautiful stories I've ever read, and it's entitled, A Small Good Thing. The story unfolds like this. A couple is preparing to celebrate the birthday of their young son, Scotty. They order a cake, they make plans for a party, and then something terrible happens. Scotty is hit by a car on his way to school. At first, he seems okay, but soon he is hospitalized with a brain injury. He slips into a coma. Scotty's parents spend every waking moment at the hospital. They're exhausted, they're distraught, and, and to make matters worse, the parents' trauma is deepened by a series of spiteful phone calls. And in the middle of the night, their phone rings and an unfamiliar voice asks, what about Scotty? Have you forgotten Scotty? Eventually, sadly, awfully, Scotty dies. His parents limp home. And that night, once again, the phone rings. Again, an angry voice asks, what about Scotty? And it's at this point in time that the, that the mo mother figures it out. The, the menacing phone calls are coming from the baker. He's angry because they never came and picked up the birthday cake they had ordered, a cake with Scotty's name written on it in icing. Furious, wanting to strangle their tormentor, the couple hop in a car at 4 a.m. And, and head to the bakery. We're a nation of bruised reeds, <laughs> busy 
breaking one another. Walking in the bakery door, Scotty's bereft mother unleashes her anger. And then, just when you expect more cruelty and even a turn to violence, the story pivots. The narrative pivots. Like the television show The Bear frequently pivots into territory that is suddenly and surprisingly gentle. <laughs> Seeing torment and, and grief wash over Scotty's mother's face, the baker softens. I can only imagine, says the baker, what you must be feeling. All I can say to you now is, I'm sorry. Forgive me if, if you can. I'm not an evil man, I don't think. Not evil, like you said. You got to understand what it comes down to is, I, I don't know how to act anymore. And with that, the baker brings cups of coffee to the table along with a tray of fresh cinnamon rolls. Here, he says, you probably need to eat something. E eating is a small good thing at a time like this. A bruised reed, sings Isaiah. God's servant will not break. My friends, a timely message is echoing through Isaiah's garden. There's a whole lot of suffering going on out there. And here the prophet says what must be said. God's answer to a world convulsed by trauma is not, go stir up more suffering. God's answer is gentleness. God's answer is impractical, flowers alongside refugee tents, sweet rolls for grieving parents, gentleness. Pursue gentleness, Isaiah urges. Gentleness that is resilient, Gentleness that refuses to be crushed. Pursue gentleness by telling those in pain over and over in word and deed that they are not alone, that they will not be left behind, that there is a place for every broken soul and bruised reed in God's kingdom. The holly bears a bark as bitter as any gall, and Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ for to redeem us all. Will you stand, my friends, in body or in spirit and join me in the prayer for the day? It can be found in your bulletin and on your screen. Gentle God. Signs of your goodness sprout in the most unlikely places. This Advent, we pray that you would plant seeds of peace in the deserts of our hearts. Nurture our bruised hopes with the water of your grace and renew us with blossoms of your love. Come, holy gardener, come. We are ready. Amen.
Please be seated. Please join me in prayer. Tenderer and merciful God, from the heavens proclaiming your glory to the winds of your Holy Spirit, to your incarnation in Jesus Christ, you make yourself known to us in so many ways. You move among us and within us, creating crevices and barriers that seem set in stone, bringing whispers of good news amid an endless barrage of horror, inspiring us to dream of peace when peace feels impossible, throwing some unexpected moment into our set, hurried path that makes us pause mid-step and gaze about in wonder. Perhaps there is another way after all. Violence, bitterness, rage, and catastrophe trouble the world. Trauma, fear, guilt, and anxiety trouble our souls. We need you, Holy One. We need the peace and hope you promise. And so we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, our shepherd, our teacher, our friend. Come quickly into our world of darkness and confusion and shine your light. Shine your light on our chaos, our confusion, our fears, Shine your light on our longings, our distractions, our doubts. Shine your light on our depression, our addiction, our loneliness. Shine your light into the frantic busyness of our lives, the competing demands on our time and energy, the shadowed paths we travel in which we bump into so many walls and take so many wrong turns. Shine your light onto our troubled and hurting world, God. Shine your light on every place where a child huddles, afraid, and where an adult, also afraid, comforts a child and where healers use their gifts to heal and leaders seek to govern justly and peacemakers refuse, refuse, refuse to give up hope. And in every place in the world where no comforters, no healers, no leaders, no peacemakers yet exist, shine your light, gracious God. Shine your light. Come, Holy One, dwell among us again. We wait for you this Advent with pregnant expectation, praying as you taught us, our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, all that we have, all that we are, are gifts from God. From our life to our breath, our friendships and our financial resources, God has blessed us. We give not as though we can pay God back. We give out of gratitude. Each year, Outreach Ministries welcomes children and their families living in the shelter system to enjoy the Christmas spirit at our annual family Christmas party. We eagerly await 35 to 40 families who will join us tomorrow evening at the family Christmas party. Our guests will partake in holiday crafts and games, a warm meal, and a reading of a classic Christmas story. Each child will receive a gift thanks to congregants who gave to this year's annual Deacon's Angel Tree. This is just one of the many ways your gifts to Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church further God's work in the world. During the offertory anthem, officers will pass the plates to accept your gifts. You can also make your offering online. You will find a QR code printed on the back of your bulletin. If you are worshiping with us on live stream, the QR code will appear on your screen. Scan this code and follow the instructions to make a secure donation to our ministries. Thank you for your generosity.
gracious and loving God, we thank you for the many blessings you bestow upon us. From the simple joys of the morning sun, to a flower blooming in a garden, to the air we breathe. We thank you for our intelligence, our talents, and skills, and the time you have given us in which we use these to the benefit of your service. You have blessed us with rich, diverse life, filled with many treasures, financial and otherwise. And this morning, in gratitude, we express our love for others by offering our tithes and gifts to be used to further your word and mission in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, all of you bruised reeds, because we are all bruised reeds, it is Advent. God is drawing near. So let us have courage. Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering, honor all people, and be gentle. After all, we want soft hands when we're going to hold the baby. Amen. Amen. 